0: Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am currently right now. There's been a lot of interesting stuff happening in the market this week. And ironically, the big news that's been talked about the most was Joe Biden making his trip to Saudi Arabia. And we'll probably cover that in the next podcast because this information I want to be able to talk about that happened earlier in the week a little bit because it's important. And at the same time, it was kind of buried on the rug because they kept talking about Joe Biden going to Saudi Arabia. First off today, guys, we're going to be talking about how Netflix partners with Microsoft on ad support subscription plan. Okay, Casinos say that the industry isn't seeing any signs of recession, but it's prepared for a pullback if possible. Then we have some IPO news from JustWorks, Fresh Market, and Peloton's competitor Tonal. And finally, we're gonna to end today talking about oil prices and how it might be short-lived according to the CEO of Chevron. With that being said, guys, like I say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for informational purposes only. You need to go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions, as I legally cannot give you any financial advice whatsoever. I do have to mention right now that I do have a position in Chevron. It is a very small position, but it's a long-term position. And I do have a position in Chevron today, all the other companies I currently do not hold positions in, but you need to also do your own research before making any investment decisions. As I cannot legally give you any financial advice in any way, shape or form. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Netflix partners with Microsoft on ad support subscription plan. Okay. Netflix has named Microsoft as its partner for its ad support service. The company announced Wednesday. Quote, Microsoft has been, provide, has been proven ability to support all our needs as we together build a new ad support offering. More importantly, Microsoft offered the flexibility to innovate over time on both the technology and the sales side, as well as a strong privacy protections for our members, Netflix CEO Greg Peters said in a statement. The Stranger Things streamer, which has been struggling to retain and ad subscribers, announced in April that it was planning on rolling out an ad support tier after years of resisting the move co-ceo reed hastings has long been opposed to adding commercials or other promotions to the platform but said during the company's pre-recorded earnings conference call that it makes a lot of sense to offer customers a cheaper option the offering has a lot of profit potential for netflix as it works to sign up more users in an effort to lure more subscribers netflix has increased its content spend particularly on originals to pay for it the company hiked prices of its services Netflix also said the price changes are helping to bolster revenue, but were are partially responsible for the loss of 60,000 subscribers in the US and Canada during the most recent quarter. Netflix has been interviewing potential partners for the past several months, including Google and Comcast, as it prepares to launch the tier before the end of 2022. Unlike Google, which owns YouTube, and Comcast, which owns NBC Universal Peacock, Microsoft doesn't operate a competing streaming service to Netflix. Peter said the ad efforts are still in the very early days, with much of the work through. Netflix is slated to release quarterly earnings Tuesday. It had previously warned it could lose 2 million subscribers during the second quarter. Netflix shares have dropped more than 70% year to date. The company stock was up more than 1.5% in Wednesday afternoon trading on the otherwise down day for the mar- markets after June inflation data came in higher than expected. Okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing. In the past, when we've talked about the streaming war in the making, one of the things I believe I said in, in past podcasts and I could be wrong. I believe I had mentioned that the only way Netflix was going to survive was they had to make better content and potentially they're going to have to start doing, I think it was what they're saying now, to put advertisements in their services. In a way, a lot of these streaming platforms are now becoming like cable was. The whole reason why Netflix was so successful for so long was because no one wanted to watch commercials. They just wanted to be able to watch their show in peace without being bombarded by commercials. And now Netflix has been around long enough to see themselves be the hero to now becoming the villain. I'm expecting potentially that Netflix is going to continue losing subscribers. Okay. Because in reality, it has to do with the fact that they don't have any good content left on their programs. Now, granted, maybe they get the right people soon hired and they can get decent talent written in or they can get decent talent in the shows that they're making. But at the end of the day, Netflix is still going to have the issue, in my opinion, that they, they just don't get it. Their content stinks to high heavens. And they should have easily been dominating the space, but you have other players that are coming in right now. And if you think about it too, right? Okay, like Apple TV, Apple also has their iPhones and computers. And so therefore they don't probably have to worry about as much uh, ad revenue as much. And at the same token, uh, NBC, Universal, Peacock's probably almost in the same way. Disney has their theme parks to help back up their streaming service. I still think potentially in the future, I honestly can see Microsoft buying out Netflix in the end. I still can because at the end of the day, Netflix, for how good of a company it is, its time has passed. It really has. And a lot of times... The CEOs are not willing to admit that their time has passed officially. So yeah, it's a sad day to see that uh, the end of Netflix as we know it is finally here, okay? So continuing on now, casino CEOs say the industry isn't seeing any signs of recession, but is prepared for a pullback, okay? Las Vegas has yet to see signs of a looming recession, according to CEO of two major casinos. Bill Hornbuckle, the CEO of MGM Resorts International, said at CNBC's Evolve Global Summit on Wednesday that he expects inflation and rising gas prices will eventually impact his business, but it hasn't yet. Quote, what's happened over the last 18 months was literally been historic. But if you look at how we thought we would be performing against how we are performing, we're exactly where we thought we'd be, Hornbuckle said. Despite soaring inflation, gaming revenue in May was up 7.9% compared to the same time last year. According to the American gaming association and March, April, and may represent the three best months in the industry history with it surpassing a total revenue of 5 billion. Jim Allen, hard rock international CEO, however, warned in may that record inflation is impacting his customers. while red rock resort CEO, Frank Ferretti the third said his quarterly earnings call on May 3rd, that rising prices are only impacting people who spend the least despite increase in the cost of food and gas among all other things technology adaptations made during covid such as pods and different gaming floor configurations have allowed mgm resorts to bring more millennials into the casinos than ever before quote it brought millennials to the table in a way that we had not that they have not been before in the industry we have more millennial businesses than we've ever had in 20% hornbuckle said i'm extremely optimistic about the space Wind Resort CEO Craig Billings, meanwhile, is confident that it can weather another economic challenge if need be. Finally, I'll end on this before I talk about my personal experience for being in Vegas recently. Quote, I do not think the industry here in Las Vegas is better prepared because of COVID to know the levers we need to pull to make it through whatever does come, Billings said. I totally agree. And I've been agreeing about this with Las Vegas for a while. Okay. I recently came back from a volleyball tournament about... It's July now. So it was in June. I went to a volleyball tournament in June. I remember talking to one of the people at the casinos and I asked him, hey, how has business been? And he flat out said, we've been busy nonstop. People don't care about COVID anymore. Okay. People also don't care about inflation, it looks like either, because when I went in June, gas prices were, at least in California at the time, were at least above five, no, $6 a gallon. I think it was. Cause I just remember thinking the entire time I was like, I have to drive to Vegas and I'm going to get killed on gas. Luckily I didn't at this time, but I remember thinking that at the time, the casinos though were packed at nighttime. Okay. They, they were packed. It, it didn't matter which one it was in general, whether it was the New York, New York or Caesar's Palace, Even even Mandalay was packed. Okay. Now, was it as packed as it was when I had gone in April? Yes. Well, actually, no, it wasn't. But in April, it was extremely packed. But even now, if you are on social media, for those of you who still are, you could actually, if you pay attention to what some of your friends are doing, and they are right on this, millennials are at the casinos. I have a lot of friends currently who at least are posting a lot being in Vegas, okay? Okay. And this has been after attending a tournament in June, okay? I have to say, Wall Street is freaking out a lot, okay? A lot of the stuff that the casinos currently have right now make it somewhat of more interesting to potentially invest in because it seems like casinos have figured out what they need to do to survive. They survived COVID, and now if there is a quote-unquote recession in the making, they might be able to almost pull the exact same levers again. What's also interesting too at least during that time being in Vegas, was just how smooth things were running there, okay? Meaning how you check in, how you check out, right? If you had to, you can do self-check-in if you really wanted to and self-checkout too, which means you you have less people at the front desk and less people waiting for the rooms to get in. A lot of room services seem to be clicking a lot during the time that I was in Vegas. And finally, it just, I know food prices are through the roof, roof right now, but it's just, it just seems like a lot of things that the that Wall Street's freaking out about is completely pointless. So I totally agree with the CEOs. The, I don't think things are slowing down anytime soon in Vegas. I think if a recession does hit, I think Vegas would be a destination a lot of people would be willing to go to because it's somewhat local, at least on the West Coast. East Coast might be a little different. You might go to maybe Atlanta to do your gambling. But it's still interesting to see how Wall Street's freaking out about this. But in reality... Las Vegas is still booming right now. There's still a ton of people going to Vegas. And those casinos, I mean, they might not be as packed as they were in April when I went for this first tournament for for my volleyball team, but this in June, it was still somewhat packed. So CEOs, I think, are, are right on this. And I think Wall Street's been completely wrong about this the entire time. So... Going on, IPO market says dormant. Actually correction, IPO market stays dormant as Justworks and Fresh Market withdraw their filings, okay? From CNBC, the IPO market has been frozen for most of 2022 and it shows no signs of reopening. On Wednesday, software vendor Justworks and food retailer Fresh Market withdrew their filings for initial public offerings. Both companies initially disclosed plans to go public last year and short filings with the Securities and Exchange Commissions. They said they no longer plan to pursue share sales without providing a reason. They don't have much explaining to do after banner years in 2020 and 2021, including a record setting level activity last year, investors have shown no appetite for new issues amid this year's market plunge. The tech heavy NASDAQ composition has dropped 28% so far in 2022, underperforming the S&P 500, which is off by 20%. The picture is much bleaker for companies to hit the market of late, particularly those in the round, the tech sector. The Renaissance of IPO ETF, which says it tracks the largest, most liquid newly listed U.S. IPOs, has plummeted 46%, according to Ernest Youngs. Global IPO volumes sank 54% in the second quarter from earlier from a year earlier, while proceeds and offerings plunged by 65%. JustWorks, based in New York, was looking to go public after revenue in the in the 12 months that ended May 21st, climbing 32% to almost 90, 983 million, the company even recorded a net profit, which is rare for pre IPO software companies. But look at what's happening to JustWork competitors. As it's clear why it would choose to steer clear of IPO at this point, Paycom is down 26% this year, Playlossity is 24%, and Paychecks is off by 15%. Fresh Market, which owns 159 stores in 22 states and which also sells a wide assortment of meal kits, generated 1.4 billion in revenue through the first three quarters of 2021, up 3.5% from the prior year. The company's rivals, including traditional supermarkets like Albertsons and Kroger, specialized grocers, such as Sprouts, Farmers, Markets, and Trader Joe's, as well as high box stores like Walmart and Target. I have to say it's interesting. I mean. These companies, if they're, I mean, why isn't Just Works? That doesn't make sense to me at the end. Just Works, if they're quote unquote making money, wouldn't they want to go public at this point? Maybe they don't feel like they would last long. Maybe that's why they're delaying their offering. It's hard to tell, but there is other IPO news too. It has to do with Peloton's competitor. Peloton's comp- competitor Tonal cuts 35% of workforce as it prepares for a possible recession and IPO. See, they're preparing for an IPO, whereas these two just said no. Tonal, the connected fitness equipment maker that counts tennis superstar Serena Williams and Amazon's Alexa funded as backers, is cutting 30, 35% of its workforce, affecting all levels of its business, CNBC has learned. The company employs about 750 people today, compared with a little more than 110 before the COVID pandemic. Chief Executive Officer Ali Orde said in an interview, or Orady or also emphasized the need to be profitable, particularly as the company eyes initial public offering. Tonal has been hasn't been profitable in the past, he said, but the jobs cuts will put the company on track to make money in a matter of months, he added. Tonal, which sells a well-mounted workout device for $3,495, experienced rampant growth in 2020 and 2021 as consumers were stuck at home and seeking ways to break a sweat. Tonal brand awareness also exploited as it tapped star athletes such as LeBron James and Williams to appear on its commercials. It was ranked $450 million in funding to date, and at one point in 2021 was valued as much as $1.6 billion. But for now, Tonal is tapping the brakes. It joined a list of businesses, including competitor Peloton that are reducing headcount in order to trim expenses and readjust to new levels of consumer demand for their products. Businesses are simultaneously grappling with the red hot inflation on everything from raw materials to fuel, to workers' salaries and are, and many are preparing for an economic slowdown. Even if recession is uncertain. I have to say at the end of the day, this whole, we're going to wait and see what happens is going to drive a lot of people insane. It's kind of insane. They're, they're, they're cutting 35% of their workforce. I mean, if they want to, that's their choice in the end, if it makes them profitable, then so be it. But it's interesting how uh, Tonal is able to take this gamble and say, we're going to have an IPO, where JustWorks, who has been profitable is not willing to go public. I think in reality, it's a lot of greed right now in this IPO market. I think a lot of companies that go public just want to be able to get their name out there as quickly as possible. And then be able to get as much money out of the market as possible. Some of it will grow their business, but most of the time it's just for the higher ups to be like, look at us, we're millionaires. I mean, other companies went public this year. In fact, one of the biggest ones I've talked about a lot in the past has been Nightscope. Nightscope and small disclosure, I do have a small position in Nightscope. Nightscope went public in January. And then a few weeks later, Russia invaded Ukraine and things have been okay for them. I think a true test for a company is how they weather storms like this, especially during choppy uncertainty. And so if Tonal is able to make this work, I think they'll survive, but just works and the uh, other company, which is fresh market, I'd stay away from them potentially. Cause who knows what's going to happen when, if there is uncertainty in the future, but, who knows, maybe even night scope goes under two. Eventually it's hard to tell, but we just keep an eye out for this. Cause I mean, like I said, Peloton's competitor Tonol is going public, but yet these two are not, I think in reality, it's because these companies aren't really making money in the long run. And I think a lot of these companies know it, maybe total won't make money in the long run and maybe that's why they're trying to go public so they can get as much money out of the market as possible and then jump ship. It's hard to tell, but. Hopefully they can figure it out and make money. So because that's what determines a lot of company success, right? So continuing on, and we'll end this today with oil. Like we've been doing the last couple of podcasts. Oil's price decline may be short-lived. Chevron CEO says market remains tight. The price of oil tumbled below hundred dollars a barrel as a recession fears mount, raising concerns around demand for crude, but Chevron CEO, Michael Wirth said the downturn could be fleeting quote. The tightness in supply hasn't gone away. He said Wednesday at CNBC's evolve global summit, I think it's a great for the economy that prices have moderated but i also see the risk remaining skewed towards the upside russia's invasion of ukraine at the end of february upended global energy markets west texas intermediate crude futures the u.s oil benchmark trade above 130 dollars a barrel in march a price last seen in 2008 the surge boost gasoline with the national average for a gallon of regular gas topping at five dollars in june the first time on record Rapidly rising fuel costs have been a major factor driving inflation, which is running the hottest pace in more than forty years. Worst said some of his recent weakness in oil is also due to the demand destruction from high prices. The demand side of the equation has can have a more immediate response, but longer term supply remains tight. Quote Now the real challenge for the globe, I think, is to see the investment in supply. As we come through whatever through form of economic slowdown we see what the supplies are going to support growth going forward, he said. Worth pointing out several factors that could lead to resurgence in demand, including China reopening fully following a spike in COVID cases. Additionally, global energy markets are being reordered following Western nations slapping sanctions on Russian energy. While all the prices have pulled back, WTI is still up nearly 30% for 2022. The nation average for a gallon gasoline stood at 463 on Wednesday, according to an AAA, which is below record levels, but still $1.49 more expensive than it was this time last year. The surge in prices at the pump have become a headache for the Biden administration ahead of an upcoming midterm election. President Joe Biden has repeatedly called on the industry, both domestic and foreign producers to raise output. And then of course, because this is old news and we'll talk about this a little bit more in our next podcast, he said later this week, he will meet with officials from Saudi Arabia, the de facto leader of OPEC. I have to say, I totally agree. I really do agree that this is a short-term lifting. And the only reason I say that is everything we've talked about in the past and we'll keep running through this until people fully understand what's going on. We're we'll not be able to drill more in the United States. We can't drill in the Gulf of Mexico even though Biden administration says that we can. At the same token, the Middle East is pretty much tapped on how much they can pull out of the ground currently right now. Russia is still invading Ukraine. And when you have co- countries like China and India that are still eating oil, it's a lose lose situation for everyone. Because if you pretty much tell India to stop taking the oil from Russia, then China is going to take the Russia Russian oil. And India and China hate each other. And then that border dispute between India and China is going to result in China taking it. And if you want, if you think it's messy now with Ukraine, imagine if China does that to a disputed territory. Okay. At the same token, too reserves are being sent overseas from the United States strategic oil reserves but we still can't drill in our own country it's it's just insane and in the, and then he blames everything on the oil and gas companies or the people at the pumps it's just stupid It says here the industry has been accused of price gouging at the pump but wrath the said chevron owns fewer than 5% of stations that carry its brand He said he's unsure the president fully appreciated the nature of the market and that people operating the service stations. And of course, the White House did not immediately respond to requests for comments. Of course, they're not. It's it's ridiculous. This whole thing is just going to keep being a mess in the end. I mean, it says, he says, we can do it all. We can grow production. We can invest to deliver more energy to the market. And we can be responsible and return cash to our shareholders at the same time. I think that's what's a, that's what good company does. And, he's talk, and this is worth, where he says, worth that the industry could both raise output while also rewarding shareholders. The only way we can raise output is the Biden administration has to be willing to say, okay, oil companies, I'm going to allow you to drill instead of playing dirty politics. But politics and the market are intertwined with each other. Markets move every time politicians make decisions. And this is why we keep reporting a lot about oil. Because oil is going to be the big news for the remaining years of Joe Biden's presidency. It probably will be. And Joe Biden's probably going to go down in history with this on his back, on his resume for oil. Oil markets are going to continue just to be insane. I mean, the other day, it was nice to see gas prices were going down a little bit in California. But I do 100% agree with the CEO of Chevron. I don't see it lasting that long, especially too, how there's problems in Texas right now, too, with energy prices as well. And obviously other states are not mentioning any energy crisis currently right now, but winter's coming and oil demands is going to keep going up and up and up. So we'll cover more about this in our next podcast, but it's gonna be interesting to be able to talk about Joe Biden and the Saudi Arabia meeting and what they're saying there and to see if, it conf- see if it confirms any suspicions about the oil markets going forward. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much. For listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed in any way, shape or form. If you had, please like, and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow this channel. Please also share with friends or family as if you share with friends or family and they able to like, and subscribe that this podcast can grow some more. I mean, I enjoy recording these podcasts for you guys. And thank you for my listeners who do listen to my podcast as much as possible, you kind of help get me up to be able to keep recording. So I'd like to thank you guys for always taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.